Hey there, just a quick reminder, we have a mentorship program if you're looking for personalized coaching and mentorship to help guide you to the next level of your interior design business, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's processes and procedures or what services to offer to how to incorporate wellness, intention, or spirituality into your projects, come join us over at designcoven.com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like-minded interior designers, you can join our free community also located at designcoven.com forward slash joy. Hello, we are at episode 50. I am so excited. I can't believe it's already here, but episode 50 is today. And we've got Andrew Oot of ICA joining us. So Andrew is the executive director of the Institute of Contemporary Art, San Diego, and as a curator arts administrator and educator with a bachelor's degree from California College of Arts and Crafts and a master's degree in museum studies from Harvard University. For the past 20 years, he has worked in the arts with museums, galleries based in California, Argentina, and Colombia. He has managed and developed art educational programs, exhibitions, fundraisers, marketing initiatives, and digital advances in different languages and cultures throughout North and South America, Europe, Africa, and New Zealand. In San Diego, he has worked with the Mingay International Museum, the San Diego Art Institute, and the Museum of Contemporary Art. While in the Bay Area, he has worked with the Museum of Craft and Design, Natural World Museum, and Artworks for Change. In 2009, he co-created Viva Festival, an international video art festival in Buenos Aires, Argentina, along with an installation at the Eva Perón Museum. In 2010, he co-funded and directed Galleria Mu in Bogotá, the first gallery dedicated solely to fine art photography in Colombia. In 2019, Andrew joined the Lux Art Institute as executive director and engaged in a merger of Lux and the San Diego Art Institute to create the ICA San Diego, where he maintains the position as executive director. Andrew's artistic interests area focus on alternative photographic processes, video art, and contemporary art from the Americas. He currently lives in San Diego with his wife and daughter. And today we dive into his origin story of how he got into the arts world. We also talk about their big opening, which happens to be on Friday, September 9th. All are welcome. You just need to RSVP. The link is in the bio, but I highly, highly recommend visiting the museum. ICA is always a fun time. Really cool people. It's beautiful to experience and just surrounding yourself with art. And for myself has been a, a huge piece of my life. And I'm excited for all of you to get to know Andrew as I have, and again, to join the museum. Welcome to Bewitching the Home, a podcast that supports the journey of holistic interior designers. I'm your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford, a creatrix of sacred space. Here, we will discover new concepts, meet creatives, and learn from active interior designers and conscious businesses that guide us to create enchanted homes. Homes filled with mindfulness, intentional living, and well-being for their inhabitants and Mother Earth. 
homes connected to the highest vibration that bring balance, harmony, and a purposeful way of living. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Bewitching the Home. I have Andrew Oot today with us with ICA and we're going to talk art, which I'm super, super excited about. It's a huge piece in interior design, of course, and art also plays so uh, such a big role, you know, in our spaces psychologically and subconsciously. So this is going to be a really fun um, conversation with Andrew. Before I get started, I'm going to go ahead and just set our space, connecting us with the present moment by ringing our bell. Just connecting with our breath in our bodies and of course I'm gonna light a candle I just love um setting space for me it's all about the atmosphere and the spaces that we create so I'm just gonna light a beautiful candle connecting us with that fire element of creativity um connection and communication and I'm gonna pull up the card so today I've got the radiant crystal deck uh, and we're just gonna a beautiful crystal card to kind of get us in the moment and see if there's any energies that we can sort of embrace while we're we're talking about about art. So what do we have? Oh, banded amethyst. So this is amethyst, one of my favorite crystals. And um, amethyst is on here. Carrie, the creator of the deck, she has inner strength, cleansing, and release. I always like to think of amethyst as a beautiful, harmonious, kind of peaceful stone um, connecting us with our third eye. Um, just love amethyst. It's like, I think this is like my favorite crystal when I was super little because purple was always my favorite color and I was just always drawn to, to amethyst. Andrew, welcome to the show. Do you nourish yourself with something in particular every morning? Do you have a routine that you practice? as far as drinking something to get you in the in the day started? Well, first of all, I'm I'm really excited to be here with Aww. you. Thank you so much. Um, it's wonderful to to be here and to talk a little bit about me and um, the Institute of Contemporary yeah. Art in San Diego. Uh, to start my day off, you know, I'm going to tell a very very small yes, story. I tend to <laughs> I tend to tell small stories. Um, right now I am not drinking anything. Um, and I usually waver between different things that I drink in uh -huh. the morning. I oftentimes follow my wife's lead in the morning. Uh, but I went through a really long time of drinking coffee, um, every day when I woke up and I lived in Colombia for over six oh years. Gosh. And when you live in that country, it's, it's part of your culture it's part of your life um so drinking small amounts of coffee all throughout the day is very common and when i would say about two or three three years uh -huh. ago or so i got to this point where the coffee was really affecting me and it was causing me headaches and so i stopped coffee and i stopped alcohol and it took like two wow. weeks of a headache but it finally went away and so now i I just kind of go with what my body tells Amazing. me it needs and I go with that. And so sometimes I just drink water in the morning. Sometimes um, I'll have the oat milk for my cereal if I'm having cereal with my daughter and I just kind of go with what feels right. I love that. You're just totally following your intuition. That's fantastic in your body. That's great. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. So, um, Andrew, I, I love asking the question of, of what is home? I know you spoke a little bit just now about Columbia, but what's home now? Uh, what does that, what does that mean for you? You know, I was having this, uh, really wonderful conversation with my wife just yesterday about what it means to be from different mm -hmm. countries. And we were talking because she's Colombian. Um, we were talking about what it meant for me to grow up in San Diego and to live so close to the border and what my identity was. And if I felt this was my home and I told her like pretty much as soon as I left San Diego when I was 18, yeah. I moved to San Francisco and I just immediately felt like I was part of this larger world. Mm. Um, and I guess I never really considered like this concept of home as being this place where I was, but rather just as the world. And then having lived now in in California, in France, in Colombia, Argentina, I've been able to like be part of that world and feel like I am part of it. And I, I don't really see one location mm -hmm. as home. Um, it is very much where I feel comfortable and happy and being with family is a big part yeah. of that. Um, so I just love being present in that moment of being with my, with my wife and my daughter. And, you know, if I'm with extended family, being with them, um, the home, you know, like they, the, the corny saying says the home is yeah. where the heart is. <laughs> um, and, and I feel like that really is true. It's, it's where I am in, in that oh, moment. That's so beautiful. I love it. That's so great. I love how you can just create home. It's like the whole world is your home, right? And you're able to create that wherever you are. That's so gorgeous. So I want to dive in a little bit about like how you got into the whole art scene. Like how did this evolved? Did you go to school? Like what's, I don't think I've ever asked you the story of this and we've, we've done many events and have hung out many a times and I haven't really got the chance to ask you like, what's the origin story? Like how did this all happen? Yeah, well it, it happened probably before I was even okay. born. Um, I, it, it felt like a, like a miniature dynasty in the family. Uh, my, you know, both my grandmothers were into fashion um, and they did it for a long time. And even my my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, she invented the color winter white yeah, yeah, yeah. in Chicago. And this was like in the 30s, oh 40s, somewhere around there. And so um, my mother tells me this story of my grandmother showing up at this hockey match in wintertime in you know the middle of Chicago. And she's just wearing all oh white. God. And it's like after yeah. Labor Day in the <laughs> like, 30s and 40s, doing? you did not wear all white, right? Especially not during wintertime. And so it was kind of like a statement. Um, and so she called it winter white. Um, but she she was really into fashion. And my my parents on both sides, you know, they also got that gene. My father is an architect. He's a practicing yeah. architect. And my mother studied environmental design, um, did interior design for a while and ended up teaching at an arts oh elementary school. Um, both my sister and I both ended up in the arts. Uh, we both went to school for, the, for art. And so I studied studio art, um, starting with design. Um, but even before then, um, I went to the School of Creative and Performing Arts for high school. So when I was 13, uh, I started you know, investing my, my life into art as well. So. It's always been a wow. part of me. Um, I, I haven't really 
I actually did, I, I should say this, I did have a chance to not be in the art world and it was kind of exhilarating. Really? What was it? What was this <laughs> opportunity? <laughs> um, well, I, I ended up working, this is probably about five years okay. ago or so. I was I was finishing up my, my master's in museum studies, of course, and um, I ended up getting some part-time job and it was working for a tech company. And the the only reason I think I went into this because otherwise I sort of despise this whole kind of uh, approach of kind of overworking yeah. and overstimulation within tech. Um, and I prefer other types of overstimulation <laughs> with with artwork, but but the the tech word world seemed ominous to mm -hmm. me. And so I found out about this job. It, I think it was it was so random i met someone okay. um who was blind and this person who was blind told me all about this service that was available where he could call someone who was live yeah. and they could see through the camera on his phone and describe his surroundings mm -hmm. to him and i thought wow how incredibly interesting and provocative it is to like have this ability to connect with others yeah. on such a really need-based and like tangible basis. And so I ended up uh, working for this company. It's called Ira, A-I-R-A, okay. and they still exist today. And I ended up uh, starting out helping blind people with describing their surroundings. And then obviously, because I'm a super ambitious person. I ended up moving up very quickly in this tech company and, and working with engagement from a very broad, expansive basis across the United States and helping to reduce loneliness and increase wow. um, job abilities and connect uh, blind people with jobs and to do really amazing things where they build community and uh, make friends and go to school and do all these things that um, are oftentimes massive challenges for the blind community. And so that really changed such an incredible vision for me about yeah. the world. Um, and it was so not art related, right? I obviously brought in some art aspects right. to it where I was able to bring this technology into museums, but it was certainly a, a different pathway oh that I, I hadn't expected. Obviously, I had, I was pulled back into museums. So yeah, quickly, so how did you get pulled um, back? Thereafter. So, well, I, because obviously my family knows that I'm, I've been in the art world for so long. Um, one of my, my aunt's contacts uh she was talking to them and they were like oh you know we're we just opened up this job position at a museum and she's like oh my god my my nephew is in museums let me like send him a message and i got this random message hey where'd you go to school what did you study like what all this in for me i'm like what's, okay, what's going on and so she she slowly told me um about this job opening and so i ended up you know applying for the job totally random because I thought, okay, this is my life. Yeah. This is my tech world life. And then I just got pulled back into it and had conversations and um, ended up getting hired as the, the director of this museum in San Diego. And it was, um, as you know, it was called yes. Lux Art Institute. So I started with Lux and, uh, you know, it was this organization that had been around for about 20 years or so when I started. 
and it has it's this beautiful property as you know you've been there rachel it's six acres yeah. of land it's gorgeous um, it's a coastal environment so it's really nice to just walk through and it has this very like magical good energy vibe to it we have two buildings on the property the first one um, that started lux uh, is an artist pavilion and it has an apartment down below where an artist can come and be in residence and then and then in the gallery space up above they work uh on their artwork and they present their artwork in that space so there's an exhibition and usually these are artists who are not from the region they're international artists who come and um, as a community member you can come and meet and yeah. speak to them and learn about their artwork and talk about their ideas with them and then we have another building it has a gallery and multiple classroom spaces and so the gallery has uh space for a regional artist, someone who's from uh, northern Baja, Mexico, all the way up to Los okay. Angeles. And we present really fantastic artists, whether they're emerging or they're um, or they're mid-career. And then we also have classroom spaces. So we have classes that um, present ceramics or collage or painting and drawing. Um, there's a broad range of classes that we have for kids and adults. And so I'm saying I'm becoming present now with my language. Yeah. During the pandemic, there was this was, well, I should say prior to the pandemic, we were just growing Lux into this wonderful community space. And that's actually when I first yeah. met you was um, when you when you came and I kind of presented myself in all of my, you know, like uh, performative <laughs> glory. Uh, hey, how are you? You know, my face lights yeah. up, yeah, you yeah, know exactly. how it is with me. And so we you know we had this really great movement with lux and it was growing and the community was growing and then the pandemic happened and i was just kind of like i hit my my virtual digital mm -hmm. switch because i had come from that um digital world and i tech is a very strong part of my life too um in terms of the way that i look at it and how it's involved yeah. in my life and so i you know, we made that very quick switch within two or three days of the lockdown. We had our first webinar wow. presentation, walk, ex exhibit walkthrough. We were just kind of like on it, on it, on it. And during that time, I was just kind of like, okay, who are we? And what are we going to be? What are we going to become? And, you know, while the pandemic has been such a reckoning for right. all different industries, it really makes you think about where we are in the world and what we're doing, how we're doing things. Mm -hmm. And museums is no different. Um, you know, the the concept of what a museum is and how it functions is certainly no different. So I'm thinking about all these ways of how we'll renovate ourselves and how we'll rethink the world and our position in that world. And so prior to that, I'm just going to give like a little side yeah. note. I had started to have a conversation with this other institution about partnering and expanding our residency and having a space in their space as well. And because of the pandemic, we weren't able to move forward with it. We had received Perfect. funding for it. We had received support. The boards were super on board um, with making it happen. And then it just wasn't able to happen during the because of the lockdown. Right. And so we started exploring this other idea of how can we really come together? How can we start to unite forces around expanding what our community needs mm -hmm. and is mm -hmm. in San Diego? And how can we change the dynamic and the the culture around the arts and ultimately culture in San Diego. How can we rethink that? And so because Lux was, is in the north yeah. of San Diego and this other institution 
which is, which was called San Diego Art Institute, is in central San Diego. Um, we thought, oh my God, this is also a fantastic opportunity to look at our county mm -hmm. as our larger region as one and not just see it as like different little cities, different um, spaces that maybe are all connected by a freeway, but rather as one larger space. And so we started having this conversation and ultimately the result of that was a merged institution. And so the two organizations came together, we changed our name, we changed our brand, we, a lot of the programs remain the same, but this is sort of getting towards yeah. the future is how it will evolve and how it will change and shift. So that's sort of the, the origin of the Institute of Contemporary Art, San Diego. And ICA also, just as a reference, um, has a long storied um, background. ICA actually started in Boston okay. almost 100 oh. years ago, about the same time as the Museum of Modern Art in New York. And it was always a laboratory for art, for experimenting mm -hmm. of challenging what art should be and how it should be perceived. And so we follow in that tradition. Um, there's about 12 ICAs across the country and also non-ICAs that are sort of contemporary art spaces that are non-collecting that fit within that same dynamic of, of pushing boundaries. So rad. So can you tell us a little bit about your role at ICA and, and what you're doing and kind of expand on, on what that is? Yeah, sure. So I am the executive director of the organization um, and my role is primarily strategic thinking. So this kind of goes into what we were yeah. just talking about, how we sort of see the evolution of the organization and also of museums in general. I mean, strategic thinking is is like a big yeah. part of what I am doing in this very moment, but it's also fundraising okay. and they go very hand in hand. Um, you know, fundraising is really about developing fantastic relationships with people and getting them to see this amazing vision and strategy and future that we have for our, for our region. And so when I am talking with uh, the people who give to the organization and sustain it financially, I'm also um, talking to them about these larger sort of expansive forward thinking plans uh, that we're doing. And so really when we started, we, we've almost now completed one year of launching as the ICA. Wow, so congratulations. When's the anniversary? Um, um, and, and as, thank you. Well, so on September 9th, I'm already jumping yeah. the gun here, but <laughs> September 9th is our season launch. And so September 9th is officially <laughs> the, the launch of our second season. Uh, of, of artwork. And so we have 11 exhibitions a year. We have all different types of programs. We have lots of events and community building spaces, learning opportunities for engaging people. Now that we're a year in, we've learned yeah. a lot about who we are and the programs that we've had. And now is this really fantastic opportunity to, to push those boundaries yeah. and say, what is a museum? What is our responsibility to the community? Um, what is our responsibility to San Diego in the entirety? And I would also expand that to our tri-national region, which is San Diego, Tijuana, and the Kumeyaay nation as well. And how do we rethink our relationships um, beyond our space yeah. with people and within uh, within neighborhoods too? And so those are sort of 
the directions that we'll be going in the coming years. You know, this is not obviously like something from now until right. tomorrow. I can just say, okay, <laughs> we're done. And we're now like going to be a totally different yeah. organization. We have to sort of rethink the, the practices of how do we get there and how do we engage people to make them part of what we're doing rather than just saying, okay, we're going to come to you and tell right. you what you need and what we want to do and all this and just kind of get your feedback. We also want to make sure that the organization is sustainable financially. And so we have to think too about, what does it mean to rethink our relationship with mm -hmm. money? Mm -hmm. uh, which is a really interesting conversation because um, a lot of nonprofits are fully funded, just like ours is, by major donors who give, you know, really large amounts. And I'm talking about $10,000 right. and above. And that's a lot for the ordinary person, right? So uh, oftentimes these donors are giving so that everyone can right. have access, uh, which is amazing. It's fantastic. I, I think that's the the one like true amazing part of having a nonprofit is this sort of altruistic mentality of the, the larger sort of wealth community being able to give back to um, such amazing organizations who do good for so many more people. And I, I think that some of those structures can also start to shift, right? Why is it that everyone can't be a part of that yeah. giving process and think about, you know, micro donations? You know, when we think about, for instance, Bernie Sanders and, you know, uh, AOC not taking any big corporate money and they really depend upon, uh, sort of lower, smaller giving of 10, 17, 20, $25, you know, these are really small amounts that for us, you know, like I got rid of my coffee yeah. habit, right? But like, you know, for <laughs> others who still have their coffee habit and they spend, you know, the whatever it is, you know, $30 a week <laughs> yeah. or more, you know, on, on coffee, you can make that change too, right? Like you can also... Um, give up your coffee. I know it's hard. You know, it's just two weeks yeah. of headaches so get over that. And and then you know, give that income or that um, that expense to something that will ultimately benefit everyone. And it's it's a really a change of mentality. Um, it's a change of the way that we think about the world and how we participate yeah. in it, how we give to it, and how we share in all of that. And it's really about celebrating the world around us. And and I would have to say too that. Part of that is is having people think. Oftentimes, when we when we think about culture, when we think about events, and we decide on something, I was just thinking mm -hmm. about this this morning before we spoke. Some of the things that we make decisions about in our life, we're like, okay, what is what am I what am I right, going to get right. out of this? Right? Like, how am I going to benefit my life? Um, how am I going to Am I going to have fun? Like, so what level of fun am I going to have at this right. thing if I decide to go? If I decide to take the time that I have and dedicate it towards this thing, how much fun am I going to get out of it? Like, what is my memorable experience going to be? And I think that it's it's so hard to make that decision. Is like, you know, something that you don't know about, you know, just kind of push it, putting yourself into that place. And oftentimes, um, the the ultimate decision is, well, I'm just not going to go right. at all. I'm just going to be at home. I'm going to watch Netflix because it's easy, it's cheap, and I don't have to make an effort mm -hmm. to go do something. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's that's one of like the biggest challenges that we have in this world is having having to actually do something, move forward, take that step and just go Absolutely. with it. Um, and so I guess my my call to action for everyone who is listening is to take that step and go and be part of culture. Um, and then when you go and you do these things, the great thing about our our museum and our space is that it's not just about like the fun of being around other people and sharing in this wonderful visual experience, but it's also about learning. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And it's about being open to ideas. And when you start to be open to ideas, your mind expands, right? Yeah. Art is not just about that experience and being able to have that visual impact or getting a smile on your face and feeling good. It's also about sometimes feeling bad. Mm-hmm. It's also about making you think about the world around you and um, pushing your head. What I say it, it does, and and I would say that this is like um, aligned with the the world economic forum i i put this out here about i would say a couple of years ago they said these are the 10 top skills that you will need to thrive in the okay. world in in the future and so the top three um they're not like computer okay. science it's not like how to market or anything like that it's creativity mm-hmm. it's critical thinking and it's problem solving and when you think about those skills as tangible yeah. skills like you know imagine removing you know how how well you can use word or how well you can use photoshop on your resume and you say like my top three skills are creativity problem solving critical yeah. thinking people are like, just what? gonna get like freak out it's like oh my gosh like you can actually yeah. think you know you can you can push your mind and that's really the power of humanity like let's push mm-hmm. ourselves to think about the world around us and so art does that it allows us to think um, critically about the way that we think about the world and how we should be changing or understanding the perspectives about the things around Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah, I just love it. I mean, I feel like it's one of the things that my husband um, Tyson, which you know, like going out and experiencing these um, exhibits or just the events in general, and just surrounding ourselves with art and culture has been huge for our relationship. Just it it gets us out, it gets us thinking, and also helps us communicate with others and see different perspectives and learn. It's like, a, it's a learning, but it's also very fun. And, you know, the people that we surround ourselves with at these events are just, you know, so fascinating and being able to speak with the artists that, you know, otherwise I would never have the opportunity to get to know or to explore with. It's, I mean, it's huge. It's just like, it's really about, you know, elevating the quality of our lives and and yes, getting off the couch and like getting away from things that are super easy and pushing ourselves to to try something new. Absolutely. It's, uh, I'm just so grateful for like all the things that you guys are doing. I'm always super inspired by uh, the artists that, that you guys bring in and, and also just, you know, how open and friendly people are and they want to like connect, you know, we want to build relationships. And for me, even just with design, it's all about building relationships and connection with my team and the people that I'm, I'm, you know, surrounding myself with within my business and and everything else that's that's going on. And I just love being able to share all these finds and and people like you that are doing really rad stuff, and to also elevate, you know, what's going on within our world and 
design for me is not just, you know, creating pretty spaces. It's, it is like creating these these lives that are connected in all areas, you know, their spirit and their mind and, and pushing them and making them um, expand and think about things differently. So that's why I just love, you know, coming to these events and, and having you on to share with others that, you know, maybe they don't have me as their designer, but they're learning um, about these different avenues and different ways of thinking and, and bringing in this richness into their their everyday. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that that we could provide a, a space for for you and your husband to you know enjoy yourselves and have fun and connect with others. Yeah. You know, I I have been doing that for so long now in my life, going to art events and yeah. openings that it feels so natural yeah, to my life now. Absolutely. And and my daughter too. I I tell this story about how you know as soon as she was able we took her to art openings and i'm and when i say able i literally mean like i put her in yep. the baby bjorn <laughs> and she was two weeks old and she went to her first yeah. art opening Lisa. right and there was a time there was probably like a year where she was like uh, i don't yeah. really want to go but now she just like she does yeah. she wants to participate yeah. and she knows that she's going to see other kids or she's going to see people that she knows and it's exciting too to be able to know that you're part of that community and that you feel welcome and that people appreciate you and they want to be around you. It's like there's this innate desire for us to be around others. And sometimes we just want to hole up and we want to like be in that little bubble that we have at home and we can still do yeah. that. Right. But part of it, and, and I would say this goes back to the thing I was mentioning before about connecting with with people who are blind, we can easily fall into loneliness. Yeah. We can easily fall into this state of disconnect. And I think the pandemic really amplified that, but we can also make changes to our life to really reflect um, connectivity and thought and thought sharing mm -hmm. and I'm so glad that we can be a part of that. And I am super excited about continuing that and pushing it to even more boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to know what's what's on the horizon. Like, what do you see coming into the next year? What's going on with ICA and what do you see coming or what are you working on? What's brewing? Sure. Sure. Well, so we, we work in what we call seasons. Okay. I think I uh -huh. mentioned that before. And so this season um, is all around the concepts of value and consumption. Okay. And so how do we consume the things that we have around us and what is, what sort of effect does that have on culture and economy and the environment um, and society? And so we're really focusing on that theme for the next year. And then we're also really starting to plan out what it, what our organization will be like in 2024, um, 2025, and beyond, and starting to plan these these smaller actions that will sort of invade or be um, systemic to community-based culture and how we can think about um, what it means to be part of a city or an environment that has culture all around it. I was actually just in Tijuana last yeah. week and I met with the with Secut, which is a Centro Cultural de Tijuana, and the the cultural center there. And they they told me that they receive two million people a year. Oh my god! Right, 
they reach 2 million people a year. And I don't know if you know this, but there's more people in um, Northern Baja than there are in our San Diego region. And so they, um, it's, it's just a little bit more, yeah. but there are more. And so culture is part of Tijuana. It's part of Mexican mm-hmm. identity. And so it's one in the same, you know, we don't necessarily have that in right. San Diego. So the museum that receives the most amount of people in San Diego is the, the fleet science okay. center and the fleet receives 350,000 people. So you're talking about oh like one gosh. cultural center that's like art and culture and music and performance and um, everything um, arts based receiving 2 million people and a science center in San Diego receiving less than a quarter of that, right? And so we we start to think about, okay, what does it mean to have culture as part of our society? What does it mean to have it within every single aspect of our daily lives and in our neighborhoods? And so we definitely need to rethink that. Mm -hmm. We need to rethink our relationship with culture on a very broad basis and not just a a single location Mm -hmm. basis. Um, it needs to be in our homes. It needs to be in our lives. It needs to be on our in our streets. Yeah. It needs to be everywhere, um, just like it is in major cities across the world. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's huge. I I can't even imagine um, that many people and being able to reach that many people through one organization. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, we have a we yeah. have a way to go. I aspire to that. <laughs> yeah. It's like what? Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And I also don't, I don't expect, you know, major changes within like two years or three years. We we have to think generationally, right? Yeah. We have, we have to give that to our children so that they can grow up with it and then their children can. And that's how we sort of, for lack of better language, infect society is like, we have to get children to be part of culture and part of their own community and when those children have it then they spread it onto their families and it just expands and i love that you mentioned the children in this next generation because all the events you know kids are always welcome and they're you know so and your daughter is always just running around and mingling with everybody and it's just a really cool aspect of what's happening yeah yeah amazing i love it thanks yes everyone is invited and so how do you um how do you guys select the artists that you're showcasing or you know how how does that happen i would love to know a little bit about that process sure so it's a pretty long process it's not something that we're just kind of like oh there's an artist there we go we're going to take that artist right um and it takes it takes time to identify what are what are our themes how do we identify you know what are the topics the large topics we're gonna we're going to approach and then once we identify those themes we start doing some research and investigation around uh what artists are approaching those topics and then we start interviewing them. I mean, they're interviews for lack of better language, but it's really like a studio visit and learning about their um, their work and learning about how they talk about the work too, because we want people to be able to have a really good experience being able to talk about ideas with artists. And so we want the artists to be able to have the capacity to have great conversations with people too. So it's a, it's a number of different conversations with a lot of artists. And then from that, we say, oh my God, this person is talking about this really amazing topic and they're really good about talking about it and they have such good references and and books and you know, we can connect them with other organizations locally and 
Um, there are so many different mm -hmm. potential opportunities to work with this person. So we sort of, we don't have like a literal yeah. number scale, but we definitely have like a, okay, this person reaches this, you know, level of engaging and they have this type mm -hmm. of artwork and they have these types of ideas and all those things sort of collide Got and it. saying, this is definitely a person that we want to invite. And it's hard because it's like, after we announce our yeah. season, I start getting people who are like, have you seen this artist? Have you seen this artist? Oh my God, this artist would be perfect for this season. And I'm like, that's so great. Like there's literally a million, yeah. Yeah. millions of artists around the world. You know, it's so hard, but you ultimately, you do have to make yeah. a decision. So we move forward and we, we bring really fantastic oh artists. And I'm super proud and happy about Yeah, that. I feel like the caliber of artists that are coming in are just, you know, they're at the top. So I was just curious, like, how does that happen and and what are you guys looking at so that's really really great insight and i'm sure people just come out of the woodworks so like oh my god you know this is what's who we think you should look at but yeah you kind of have to have that discernment for sure can you share a little bit or give us a little glimpse into like a, an artist that you're super excited about coming in this next season that you might want to share or can you share a little bit um i know you're opening this on the night yeah absolutely i mean all all of the artists have been really i mean it's 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 really yeah, hard to, to share all the artists I'm excited about. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, we, like I said, we have 11 exhibitions yeah. every year. And so it's not only 11 artists, but we have a, a group show as well with um, regional artists that we help um, to promote and, and support them as well. So it's more than 11 artists. And then we also support teaching artists. So there's oh so gosh. much happening. Um, I, I'm going to talk like uh, about okay, what's cool. happening now. So September 9th is our big season launch and it's going to be a really exciting event and, um, and party, yes, so yes. to speak. And in the opening, we'll have two exhibitions opening at the same time, which we've never done oh before. Okay. So in Encinitas, we have um, our artisan resident. Uh, his name is Ya Obusu. Okay. And Ya is Ghanaian. He lives in New York currently, and he'll be visiting us for the month and, and working on a project. And his work is all about uh, the value of currency, how we value the tangible money that we have, and what does that mean for buying things, what does it mean for the perception of value as well? So he uses pennies um, to create this artwork and it's really like flashy, it's beautiful, it's attractive, yet they're in the literal tangible object itself, there's little to no value at all. And so how do we put value on the things that we have? So that that's one artist and the other artist is Carolina Caicedo, who is um, Colombian and British and she uh, lives in LA currently okay. and she's our sort of regional artist and her work is she does these collages with bonds that were used to purchase um, sort of debt for Puerto Rico to sustain itself and it's all about the identity of Puerto Rico and how they um, how they value their economy which is so ultimately based on a tourism okay based yeah. economy um so they really depend upon tourism to maintain themselves and uh so they borrowed money from the u.s government to get them through major major financial crises and so now they're beholden to the united states through these bonds and so she takes these bonds and sort of wow. cuts them up and turns them into these visual beautiful spectacles yeah. and then you're able to connect with the bonds and sort of learn more about what it means to have a bond as a country and what does it mean to have this sort of um, falsified debt that we create oh. value around. Wow. 
And this is on September 9th, right? September 9th. Yes. Put it there in you your go. calendar. It'll be in the evening. I think it's six to Perfect. nine. You can check our website, icasandiego.org. Awesome. I'm, and there's my little. Yes. And we'll have all the info in the show notes. And of course, I'm going to e- email it out to everybody that's on my list and we'll share on Instagram. And how can people um, find you? And it was, can you repeat the website one more time? Yeah. So it's icasandiego.org. Okay. icasandiego.org. And um, we have all of our events, all of our programs that are um, happening on that website. Uh, there's a way to give mm-hmm. as well. You don't have to give $10,000. You can give 17, 20, 25, $1 if you want. You know, you can contribute. And we try to make it as accessible as possible. So everything that we do is free. Um, the museum is free. Our events are free. The activities that we provide for families, mm-hmm. we do family days. All of those are free. Our lectures are Gosh. free. We try to provide as much freeness as possible. And so, you know, we also ask that um, if you can, if you want to contribute to help making that possible, you can. It's not a requirement. We want everyone to have access to what we do. Um, But, you know, small gifts help make things possible. So if you decide to RSVP, give five, ten bucks, you know, and and make it possible for others to also experience that who can't can't yeah. afford that and can you tell us what what's the membership fee um if I'm, somebody wanted to become a member sure oh my gosh you're starting to ask me <laughs> I think like, it's like more 50, detailed i think it's like 50 dollars a month or 50 dollars a year I think it does yeah it, it starts at 50 dollars yeah. a year um and it can go up from yeah. there so yeah contribute you know make that ongoing you can also um have it be monthly too okay. so i think you can pay as little as five dollars a month or something like that Fantastic. um so yeah that's that's easily yeah. a coffee. <laughs> I mean, coffee is now five dollars, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. All right, sweet. I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on. I so appreciate um, your time and your enthusiasm, and it's always a great time whenever we get to spend time together and, and experience art. So, huge gratitude. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Rachel. Really great to see you, and I'll see you on September. Yes, 9th. I will be there. You've been listening to Bewitching the Home. Special thank you to all my Patreon members. Without you, this show would not be possible. Music composition by Ken Seth Thibodeau. Editing by Marcy Ferry. And special assistance by Blake Ferris. If you like what you're listening to, please hit the subscribe button. And if you want to support us even more, please join me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bewitching. You can also follow me on Instagram at Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Lorraine, L-A-R-R-A-I-N-E, and find out more information about the podcast on the website, bewitchingthehome.com.